have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what you going to do? I started to hunt up that old song that Gary S. Paxton, any of you remember that name? Years and years ago, back in the 80s, he was a, uh, an artist in Christian music. He would come out of rock music, and he was a rough-looking old character. But he wrote a song. He says, what you going to do when the meat wagon comes for you? <laughs> Isn't that a great song title? <laughs> so today I want to talk to you about what you're going to do when you've done all you can do. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. So I want you to take those Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 14. But before we do that, let's stand, honor the Word of God, and let's, uh, let's do our memory verse together. In Psalm 150 and verse 6, it says, Let everything that has. Ready? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hug your neighbor as you're being seated and tell him you love him. <clears throat> Cindy went back to hug the fearsome threesome on the back row, but they were all huddled up back there. So They were. All right. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 10. Hopefully you have your Bibles open there. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11, then they said to Moses, it is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by or stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. What you going to do when you've done all you can do? Verses 13 and 14 give us the answers. We're going to look at that a little deeper in just a moment. Probably you're familiar with this story that we just read about. Uh, If you've been in church at any time in your life, you've heard the story or read the story about the children of Israel leaving Egypt and getting to the Red Sea. And they were stopped. They were stumped. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. We're going to talk about that. But I thought it might be fun just, uh, well, I I enjoyed it. I hope you will too. Um, Taking a look at the trailer of the movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. You you realize that was made in 1956? That was a year old when this thing came out. But they've colored it and digitized it for this trailer. It's It's a lot of fun. It brought back some fond memories for me. Jeff, go ahead and play that. 
You don't need to dim the lights. I think you can all see this okay. Even there was a volume. time when the cinema was a place of spectacle and wonder. When unforgettable films played on gigantic screens that overwhelmed the imagination. Now that time has come again. Behold his mighty hands! Paramount Pictures proudly presents Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. Let my people go. Come to me no more, Moses. You will surely die. So let it be written. The Ten Commandments, newly restored and presented in 70mm Super VistaVision with six-track Dolby Stereo Sound. Who shall withstand the power of God? Relive the magic of an unforgettable motion picture event. The Ten Commandments. <laughs> oh, isn't that good? That brings back great memories. How many of you have seen that version of, oh boy, it's good. If you haven't seen it, you need to sit down and watch it. It's, it's good. Who was the uh, mother to Ramses, the older lady there in that clip? I, didn't, I can't remember her name. Anyway, good, good stuff. So that's, that's really what we're going to see here in our story. Is they got to the Red Sea and they were stumped. Okay? So Moses is taking them out. They're heading to the promised land from Egypt. Um, and we pick up at our text uh, here. Moses has freed them from slavery, but they find themselves surrounded. On the north by desert, on the south by desert, on the west by Pharaoh's fast approaching army, and on the east by the Red Sea. Oh my, what are we going to do? Oh my. We're full of despair. We're full of fear. Yet Moses gives two commands and two promises in verses 13 and 14 to help us see past the problem. Because we all face them. What are you going to do when you've done all that you can do? When you're surrounded by the desert of despair on the north... By desolation and dismay on the south, anxiety and apprehension on the east, an enemy of your situation is fast approaching on the west. What will you do? Well, he starts in verse 13 by giving us the first command. Look in your Bibles. He says, fear not. Fear not. We all know that the Bible has words in it, and each of those words sometimes can have different meanings. The word fear in the Hebrew is yare. has five general meanings. Don't have time to go into every one of them, but we're going to want to share those with you, uh, those five. There's the emotion of fear. There's the intellectual anticipation of evil. Now that's 
For instance, David's recognition while he was in uh, Achish's court that his reputation was in danger. Um, it's an example of how Jacob anticipated that his family might be taken from him in Genesis 31. Then there's the reverence or awe that fear can bring. And that's the type of reverence that you should have for your parents, according to Leviticus 19, that you should have for holy places. There's still in our culture a understanding that a church building is a holy place. Now, it's getting less and less. They also realize, terrorists realize that it's a gathering place for people. And so we've seen a lot of terrorist activity Related to holy places. Also, there was a, it's a reverence in the Bible of God. This fear that's talked about in the Bible. A fear of God and then of God's name. Also, number four is the righteous behavior or piety. And a better word for piety would be faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's that motivation which produces in you and me righteous living. It's that practical, active fear that God uh, rewarded the Egyptian midwives in Exodus 1. And then lastly, it's that fear of formal religious worship. Make sure that we're worshiping the Lord in the right way. And again, don't have time to go into each of these. There's a whole message within those five that deal with fear. But it's the command is in our text. This fear that's, that's mentioned here in uh, verse 13 deals with the emotion of fear. The emotion of fear. And I know firsthand that it's not an easy command. Israel, many of us are going through, just like Israel did, we're going through stuff. We've got situations that create fear. Situation... Uh, those situations will warrant this emotion of fear. But the command here is to quit fearing. Stop fearing. Change how you think about that. Change how you uh, let that affect your heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. So what do you do when you've done all that you can do? First command Moses says is fear not. But in order to fear not, you've got to have faith. Amen? It requires faith to fear not. I mean, if you're standing before the Red Sea and you've got the Egyptian army coming up on your heels, I mean, hey, time to be fearful. Maybe I don't know how to swim. Because <laughs> that's your next thought is that, well, I guess I might as well just die in this water. So Moses was able to stand firm because he didn't focus on that situation. He focused more on God's ability to, to save them than His ability to get them out of the problem. And that's how you and I have to face these problems. We've got to allow God the opportunity to show up. Amen? He didn't allow His emotions of fear to overshadow God's promise of deliverance. One of the great lessons that we learn from the book of Exodus as a whole, is that a, it's, a, it's a message that's repeated throughout Scripture, is that God is ever-present. No matter where you are, what you're going through, God is there. You've been taught that? 
How many of you believe that? Can I get an amen? Okay, it's easier than raising your hand. I understand that. Now, in those Bibles, turn to Exodus 13, would you? I want to show you how God made provision for them. Again, familiar uh, part of this overriding story. But in Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22, it says, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Verse 22, He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. So that tells us that God was ever present with them. Daytime, nighttime, He's always there. Now, how many of you have a pillar of fire or a cloud that follows you every day to remind you that God is with you? Well, I don't have one. So how am I supposed to remember and know that God is with me all the time, every day? Anybody want to venture a guess? Faith. Faith focused on the cross. Okay? The cross is going to be a key element as we go through a message, the rest of our message. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. He said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. See, God was with his people. Then and he is also with us today. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So somebody here this morning needs to know that God does not want you to fear. Let fear go. Don't hang on to it anymore. Fear not, Moses said. And Jesus repeats that in John 14, 1. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In Revelation 1, Jesus said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living, uh, and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of hell. So what do you do when you've done all that you can do? Number one, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Quit the emotion of fear. Why? Because God's always with us. He, have faith in that. Trust in that. Oh, but preacher, it's the dark in this hole. I got you. Guess who's in the hole with you? He's there. Trust that He's there. Now, second command of deliverance is found in verse thir- also found in verse 13. When He says, Stand by or stand still. Now, I don't know about you. Fear not is pretty hard to do. But standing still is even harder to do. It is hard to stand still and let God prove and show who He is. Because His timing is not our timing. Let's just be honest. His timing is not our timing. Wow. Stop and think about that. If he answered things the way you wanted him to answer them, in the time frame that you wanted them, it'd be like getting fast food at McDonald's. (laughs) Because that's how we want it. Right now. Right now. Right fast. Come on. What do you do when you pull into... This McDonald's is really crazy in the mornings because kids get into school. They whip through there to get some breakfast. Something to eat. On collaboration days, Hugo's is packed. 
Because <laughs> all those kids come in there to eat breakfast. They don't need to be in that restaurant. Go to McDonald's. What you doing? See, they don't have to, they don't have to hurry to get to school that day. So they come in there and eat a nice breakfast. Hopefully they leave a nice tip too. But anyway, all we knew is hope. But stand still. The Hebrew word for standing still is uh, yasab. It means to stand, to sit, to station yourself, to present yourself. As I researched this, this Hebrew word, stand still, it expresses itself in the reflexive voice. In other words, it's a command concerning a result or a fact. Now let me try to explain it this way. Standing still or the ability to stand still is like a sound that you hear, but it's already come by. A jet plane. You'll hear it and you'll look up and the plane's way over there. Because it's already happened before it actually gets to you. Same thing with God. When we stand still and we let God handle things in our lives, and He will, it will already be done before we even know it. Because that's the way He is. Fear not and stand still. My uh, son Mark, I listened to him as he's uh, correcting his children. And they're upset. They're three and they're two. And they're upset. And they are just, especially the littlest one. Boy, he really gets all fired up. And Mark comes over and he gets in a real soft voice and he says, take a deep breath. And it's so fun to watch him. A little two-year-old, he goes, and he says, take another one. I mean, it's real dramatic, pulling it in. But what he's done is he's diffusing. He's getting the little boy to understand that when I'm upset, I need to stop, calm down, then I can work. It's called be still. Be still. You're driving. You're running late. I got it. You've got to get there. You've got to go. You've got to exceed the, exceed the speed limit. You don't really want to, but you have to because you're running late. I got it. I understand. And there's somebody later than you because they come. And what do they do? Right in front of you. Cut you off. Hey, what? Boy, and here it comes, right? You can feel it. Try that. Okay, I'll let you take a deep breath. Ready? See, now you'll make it through the sermon better. Here we go. All right. That's the reflexive result of a, something that's already taken place. They've gotten by you. Just relax. Stand still. Our ability to stand has everything to do with God and nothing to do with us individually. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. It speaks of the ideas that we, come, that we form in our own mind about ourselves. Thoughts that are based on our own account, our reputation of ourself, our, our, what we seem, how we seem, what you suppose, what you think. Scripture helps us understand that because after you've done all that you can do, Yes, you need to stand, but don't allow your own 
power and strength, your own pleasure, your reputation make you think that you're able to stand. Because you really can't stand unless God's standing with you. Because you'll get bowled over. How many of you found that to be true? Because you've tried it. I have. You've tried it. I've tried it. We've all tried it. Well, I can stand. Fear not. Stand still. Stay right where you are, God is telling you. God did not tell you to move. Stay right there. Stay right where God did not authorize you to quit. I saw a, a, a thing on Facebook, a meme on Facebook that was really good. It said, I threw in the towel. God picked it up and threw it back into my face and said, I'm not done yet. And neither are you. Boy, it's true, isn't it? It's, don't quit. Don't quit. Stay right there. Stand still. Fear not. You tried it your way and failed. Got you in trouble. So after you've done all that you can, just simply stand still and wait for God. Stay in your place. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. No matter what things look like. Sure, the grass is greener on the other side. Sure it is. But you can't cross over your Red Sea situation until God says to move. The children of Israel could not cross the Red Sea until God parted it. And did you realize, I love the way that that is depicted in the movie. As the water goes back, the ground is dry. Did you notice that? ground is dry. So God is completely able not only to, to wall up the sea, but to dry the land so you can run across it. He's completely able to do that. He is able to handle your situation as well as mine. Cindy and I are watching Him unfold in front of us day by day by day by day. I've got this cast on my foot I've mentioned to you. Never had a cast before. 63 years old, never had a cast on till now. And my foot is healing up faster than it's healed up in a year and a half. I was meeting, I was seeing the wound specialist twice a week. I'm down to once a week. She says, oh, it looks so good. They always say that. I said, well, then I don't need this anymore. Oh, no, no, no. You're not completely healed yet. But oh, it looks so good. <laughs> I don't know what all that means. But we're learning to just stand still and wait and be patient. Be patient. Because God is working. So whatever it is, you see, you have a blank that you're filling in. And whatever it is that God has got you waiting on, just wait. Fear not. Stand still. Because God is going to help you. He's going to bring you through it. Wait until my change comes. Take care of my sacred trust. Work in that soup kitchen down at John 3.16. Preach the Word. Teach the Word. Serve the people of God. And after you've done all that you can do, stand still. Fear not. Stand still. The commands of deliverance. Now let's take a look quickly at the two promises of deliverance. And I want you to notice that the commands come before the promise. That's usually the way it works, isn't it? He commands us to do things, then He fulfills the promise. 
And I'm sure we like the promise more than the commands. But we had better attend to the commands if we ever want to realize the promises. Again, in verse 13, we find the first promise. Stand still and keep going and see the salvation of the Lord. That's the first promise. Promise of salvation. Salvation in this particular uh, verse is a Hebrew word, Yeshua. The root meaning is, in Arabic, means to make wide or make sufficient. The root is in contrast, and it's a root word, Sa'ar, and it means narrow. means restricted, causing distress. So the idea here is that which is wide means freedom from distress. So the word that is used by God here for Moses to speak is the word that's wide, open, taking away distress, move away from distress. Safety is ready. Deliverance is ready. You just seize it. You just They had to walk through the sea. The sea parted. They could have chosen to stay on the other side, right? They could have chosen to stay there. But when Moses said, move, they started running. They took off across there. There was at least close to two million people. Now, how did the army of Pharaoh not get to them? Because that pillar of fire was holding them back. You see, until every Israelite got across the Red Sea. Even Moses. Moses had to get across the Red Sea too. See, Moses didn't just appear on the other side. He had to go across too. He had to walk across the land. He had to walk across the held back sea. So, they would move from distress to safety. And in order to do that, they had to be delivered. In the Old Testament, there were all kinds of distresses. Natural, uh, national disasters and individual disasters. Plagues, famine, sickness. Uh, the one who brings deliverance is known as the Savior. And in the Old Testament, it was Yahweh who brought that deliverance. He's known in Psalm 68, 19 as the God who is our salvation. And in the New Testament, the idea of salvation primarily means forgiveness of sin, deliverance from its power, and defeat of Satan. All through the Old Testament, it points in this direction in the New Testament. The majority of these references of salvation speak of Yahweh God in the Old Testament, granting deliverance from real enemies and out of these real situations, such as in our text, because they couldn't be delivered unless God did it. In our walk, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, our deliverance comes from the cross. Our deliverance is done by someone on our behalf. All we have to do is accept it, receive it, and live it. See, it's one thing to accept it. And to believe it, it's a whole different thing to live it. True? Can I get an amen? Boy, it's tough to live it. Easy to get it. Harder to live it. Because then you have a spiritual battle raging every day. Satan's after you. He's coming back to get you. Because while you're outside of Christ, he's got you. He don't have to work on you. You're walking the walk he wants you to walk. 
And then all of a sudden you're baptized, you rise to walk in a new life, whoop, you start going to church, you start opening your Bible, you start praying, you start doing... God, Satan goes, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. And for about two weeks he leaves you alone and bam, he comes at you. I mean, like a, like a hurricane he comes at you. Stand still and see what a wonderful promise God has to deliver us. So how do we tap into the promise of deliverance? First, we've got to open our eyes. Moses had already told us not to fear. And now we've got to open our eyes. They saw the Red Sea part. But in order for them to accept the deliverance, they had to walk. They had to take action. In order for you and me to accept deliverance by Christ, we've got to take action. We've got to admit that we're a sinner. And we've got to stand and be ready to be baptized into Christ. And those connections get us launched and ready for a life that's just unbelievable. Open your eyes. How many of you, how many of you are roller coaster enthusiasts? You like to ride roller coasters. Now, I don't mind riding one if I'm in the middle or in the back. There's just something about being in that front car and you're the first one to go over the lit, over the edge. Now maybe that's where you want to be. You, you, you may be up, you're probably that nut up there with your hands up like this, going, let's go! And it's, I mean, it looks literally like you are not alive anymore. If you're in the back of it and you see the front of it, all you hear is screams and you're going, I'm coming! <laughs> Because if you're in the back, you're going to eventually be over the edge. And I don't know why I think if I can hold off going over the edge, it's going to be better. But, yeah, you're probably one of those that holds your hands up going over the... But, I, you know, it's that first going over, isn't it? You ever close your eyes? No, open up my eyes. Got to see it, right? See it. Oh, mercy. I remember our middle son, Corey, we were at Six Flags, one youth trip we had and. Uh, James Rhodes was with him. They were riding this one that goes, it goes up backwards. No, it goes up this way, forwards, and then it backs down like that. And when it gets up there, it stops. And I can hear Corey going, I want off! <laughs> well, you're wrong spot to yell that. Because it's going to come back down, you see. But I don't know. But open your eyes. You see, sometimes when we're facing things, we don't want to see it. But when you open your eyes, you can see God do some incredible things in your life. You can see Him do it. And folks, that's good news. That's good news. As believers today, we need to put our confidence in God and realize that God positions us where He wants us, not necessarily where we want to be. Being between the devil and the sea was not where the Israelites wanted to be. They would much rather have had a clear path set before them, freely uh, away from the pursuing Egyptians and the barrier of that Red Sea. But that wasn't what God wanted. You see, God positioned them to where He was their only hope, their only way out. If He couldn't deliver them, nobody was going to deliver them. 
Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, sometimes the only way that we can recognize our own inadequacy is for God to position us to where we have no hope but in Him. You're down so far deep that you can't see a way to get up. But sometimes when you're that low, you have only one place to go, and that's up. That's the, that's the beauty of being put in a hospital, and you have to lay in a hospital bed. How are you looking? You're not looking down. You're looking up all the time. Looking up. Every day you should get up and realize that I'm looking up. I'm looking up. God's got this. Here we go. And you go out and you got three flat tires on your car. God's got this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God's going to come through. And then you sit down and you wait for God to air those tires up, don't you? Oh, remember we talked about taking action. Huh? So you get the phone out. And you you got to take action. God gave you the ability to fill up the tires with air and get on with it. Amen? You could have been like poor Jeff this week, stuck out in his truck in 56 below, <laughs> minus 56 degrees in Chicago. Man, that's nuts. And they wonder why we live down here where the tornadoes are. Because it's warm! That's why we live down here. Praise God. But if we're not careful, we can walk through life unaware how helpless we really are and how how dependent we really need to be. I mean, throughout Scripture. See it over and over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Daniel, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's Food. Also, he would not bow down to a golden idol. David, facing Goliath. All situations in which God's deliverance was their only hope. And in the same way in our life, God will put us in situations where He's our only hope. You trust medicine. I trust these doctors. But I really like to have a doctor... Who believes in God. Because then they're going to bring an extra piece to that puzzle. I've got one of those. And I I love that he is the way he is. Scripture tells us that each of us as sinners are in slavery to sin. We're in a position where God is our only hope. God is our only hope. You can't buy your way, you can't hope your way, you can't serve your way. You can only get there by Jesus. Because our sin separates us from God. And we can't do anything to save ourselves. Just like the Israelites were trapped between Pharaoh and the sea, as sinners we are trapped between the penalty of our sin and our own inability to do anything about it. We can no more save ourselves than Israel could have crossed the sea on its own. But God is a God of direction. He allows us to come to that point of realization to where we will see the helplessness of our, of our situation to where we understand that He's the only one that can save us. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And through His resurrection, He defeated death, the penalty of sin. And He provided a way for us in fellowship, to be in fellowship with God. And in that same way, the Israelites simply had to follow the dry path that God made through the sea. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way. He's the path to our salvation in Christ. 
follow Him. Accept that free gift of forgiveness of sin and eternal life and the salvation of God that He's provided for us through Christ. The finished work of Christ demonstrates for us the same truths that our text in Exodus has shown us today. As the Exodus was the defining moment in Israel's history, so the cross where Jesus paid the price for our sins and the empty tomb where He defeated death, it becomes the defining event in our salvation. Jesus is our Deliverer. He invites us to trust Him. And in the same way, God told the Israelites that there was nothing that they could do but stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. So there is nothing that we can do to bring about our own salvation. And what's the second promise of deliverance in verse 14 right there? It says, allow God to fight your battle. Salvation is not only offensive, but it's defensive. When opposition comes... We may retreat to our refuge for safety. Isn't it great to know that God is our refuge and our strength? Isaiah 53, 12 says, Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great and will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So this morning I want you to know that God is with us. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and He saw His glory, the glory as of the only, begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In fact, the many names of Jesus, one of them is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will always be with us. When you accept Him as your Savior and you're baptized into Christ, and He now covers your His sin, His blood covers you, you can rest assured. That He will always be there for you. He continues to give direction. He says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The Spirit and the Bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, boy, today would be a great day for you to surrender your life to Him. His simple call is to come. Come. Jesus says, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. So the question is, will you follow Him this morning? Will you let Him have clear direction and make a clear path in your life? I close with this story. John Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands. One night a hostile uh, group of natives surrounded the mission, intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. Well, Patton and his wife prayed during that obviously terror-filled night that God would deliver them. And when daylight came, they were amazed to see that their attackers had left. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief, What kept him from burning down the house and killing them? And the chief said this in surprise. He said, who were all those men with you there? 
Well, Patton knew there wasn't anybody else in the compound except him and his wife. The chief said he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords circling the mission. Now I want you to stop and think about that. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are all just waiting, who are all ready to stand around you and circle you so that you have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy that passes all understanding if you'll but surrender to Christ and let Him be the Lord and the Master of your life. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank You for this time. Thank You for these that are here. Thank You for all the blessings that You promise us, You've given us. And I pray, Father, that earnestly that You would move among us today, that there might be one who, who would respond to your call, salvation in their life. And Father, if possible, uh, maybe more than one. Maybe there's somebody here that just needs somebody to pray for them. Somebody to put an arm around them and tell them it's going to be okay. To be an encourager. Whatever it is that they need, Father, would they respond today so that we as your body can respond. God, there's great hope in your son Jesus. There's great joy in serving the Lord. Father, I just pray that if somebody's become complacent, they'd get fired back up. If somebody's never named you as their Savior, today would be their day. Would you move in them, God, today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great song.